Uh, If you got your Bible, go ahead and open to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're going to be today uh, in John 14, 15, and 16. This is the last conversation Jesus had with his disciples before he goes to the cross. Bible scholars will tell us this conversation is anywhere between 12 and 16 hours before Jesus took his last breath here on earth. And so we're going to see a very important conversation he has with his disciples. I told you we're talking today about the Holy Spirit. We're calling this series The God I Never Knew. Now I'll tell you on the front end and give credit where credit is due. This is inspired by a series by a pastor named Robert Morris at Gateway Church in the Dallas area. Did a, just an, an incredible teacher, one of my favorite pastors. He did a series on this topic. And so you may relate to this title. You may have grown up in a realm of Christianity that doesn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. That doesn't understand a lot about the Holy Spirit. Now, we've got a a spectrum of people at City Church. We have some people at City Church who grew up in those churches and those denominations where this is very true. We also have people in City Church who grew up in churches and denominations where they were all about the Holy Spirit. Uh, And you may have heard more about the Holy Spirit than you did the Father or the Son or other aspects uh, of who God is. So we've got a spectrum that we're speaking to. What we want to do through this series is as best as we can set aside our, our preconceived ideas of who the Holy Spirit is and maybe what we've been taught. Let's look at what the Word of God says. What does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? The Bible says a lot. I already told you one thing the Bible says is, is the Spirit is he's pneuma, right? He's the breath of God. He's the wind of God. He moves in those ways. We know in other ways the Bible represents the Holy Spirit as a flame. Man, the Holy Spirit is hot. The Holy Spirit has passion. Man, when you encounter the Holy Spirit, it begins to burn away things in us that do not belong. So the Holy Spirit is vital for us. We believe here at City Church that when you receive salvation, the Holy Spirit is sent by God to live in you. That you are marked by the presence of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is the seal of of our salvation. So when the Father looks down from heaven and he sees you, he sees his Holy Spirit, he knows that's one of mine. The Holy Spirit marks you as a believer. And so there's a lot of things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. I don't even know how long we're going with this series. I've got weeks and weeks and weeks of material. Uh, We're going to try to shoot for about six or seven weeks, but I make no promises. Uh, We we may be in this for a while because there's so much for us to dig into and understand. The first thing we're going to do is simply ask this question, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you three specific answers to this question, and they were all supposed to be today. Uh, But the first answer, there's just so much to unpack. We're just going to park on the first one today, and then we're going to hopefully get to number two and number three next week. So it's kind of a two-part introduction to this series with this question of who is 
the Holy Spirit. I told you we're going to be in John 14, 15, and 16. We're going to see these conversations that take place between Jesus and his disciples shortly before the end of Jesus' life. Um, we're actually going to start with verse 31. Just want to mention this very quickly. Jesus says this. He says at the end of chapter 14, come now, let us leave. So what's happening at this point is they are in an upper room. They've been taking the Lord's Supper. Jesus has instituted communion. He's washed his disciples' feet. He's identified, hey, somebody's going to betray me. Judas has pieced out on his way to go betray Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, we've been in the room. Dinner's over. Let us leave. What are they doing? They're getting ready to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, to the Mount of Olives. And chapter 15 starts, Bible scholars believe, as they enter the Mount of Olives, because Jesus teaches this, this famous illustration. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. And so Bible scholars think that Jesus actually teaches this as they're passing an olive tree. As they're moving into the garden, they see this tree, and Jesus uses this living illustration to teach them this principle. I don't know if that is true or not, but I think it's interesting, and I like to believe that it's true. Uh, But regardless, we know that Jesus was an incredible teacher, right? Well, today, I'm going to teach you primarily from the ESV translation. I usually teach out of the NIV, but today we're going to park in the the ESV because the ESV uses a a translation of a word we're going to get to and get into a lot that I think is a little more accurate than what the NIV does, and we'll talk about that as we get there. But let's start in John chapter 14, verse 16. It says this, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Everybody say helper. The word helper is, is, is an interesting word. When I was a kid, we had a lot of hamburger helper. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I don't know if you were a hamburger helper family. Uh, but that's, that's honestly the first thing that comes to mind when I word, hear the word helper. I don't know if it's PTSD or what. Uh, but that's where my mind goes is to hamburger helper. Well, this is something better than hamburger helper, right? This is something greater. Jesus is teaching his disciples, and I'll just give you the theme of John 14, 15, and 16, and he covers a lot of different stuff, but the general theme of John 14, 15, and 16 is Jesus saying, hey, I'm leaving. It's about to be over, like very soon, I'm not going to be with you, but I'm not abandoning you. I'm not leaving you on your own. I'm sending someone to be with you. So Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father. So Jesus, the Son, actually petitions the Father. Talked about this a few weeks ago. We talked about prayer. We pray to the Father, right? We pray to the Father. Even Jesus prays to the Father. So Jesus prays to the Father, says, I'll ask the Father, and the Father will send you another helper. So Jesus was a helper. Jesus was the model for us. He gave us a picture of how to live. Jesus did helpful things for us. He says, but I'm going to send you another helper, a different helper, to be with you forever. I've been with you for 33 years. Disciples, I've been with you for three years. We've done a lot of stuff together. We've traveled together. We've made memories together. It's been incredible, but I'm not going to be with you forever. But I'm sending someone who will, verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, you as my followers, as my believers, as my disciples, you know him, why? For he dwells with you and will be in you. So he says, my Holy Spirit's gonna be with you, but he's not just gonna be with you, he's actually gonna be in you. He's gonna be in you wherever you go. 
So Jesus gives us this understanding that he is with us. Now, look back, if you'll put, uh, yeah, keep that up there. You see there's underlines a number of places. I underlined for you every time that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit with a pronoun. And I know pronouns are a whole thing right now. I'm not trying to get into that part of pronouns. Uh, what, what I do want you to see when we talk about the Holy Spirit's pronouns is never once in Scripture does the Bible refer to the Holy Spirit as it. Okay? Now, now you may have heard the Holy Spirit referred to as it. Some of us may have, have I've probably done it myself. It's an easy mistake to make. Why? Because we, we have this the in front of the Holy Spirit, right? And so the the makes him feel like a thing, like, it, like an it. And it's easy to refer to him that way. But every time the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is not it. The Spirit is he. And it's important for us to understand this. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is, is an individual. It, it, this is not an essence. The Holy Spirit is not a force. If you think of the Holy Spirit as a force, or you think of the Holy Spirit as an essence, here's what will be very difficult for you to do. It's going to be really hard for you to have a relationship with him. Because you can't have a relationship, a personal relationship with a force. You can't have a personal relationship with an essence. You can, however, have a personal relationship with a person. And we need to understand the person of the Holy Spirit. So every time Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, he's not, you're going to receive it. Not it is going to come on you. It is going to do this to you. It's never it. He is going to come on you. He is going to be in you. He is going to be with you. He is going to dwell with you. He, 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 him. Again and again, he refers to the Holy Spirit as him. It's very important for us to understand that. Skip down to verse 25. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, we see that word again, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So he says the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to do all of these things. Now, I want to show you there's four times where Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper. We've seen two of them already. Uh, I'm going to show you the other two. Now, the reason why we chose ESV today is because in the NIV, it translates that word helper as, as advocate. And we'll get into the translation and, and all that in just a little bit. But I, I want you to see that Holy Spirit is our helper. I want you to drive that point home. So here's two more instances where Jesus refers to him this way. John 15, the next chapter, he says, But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit talks about Jesus. Right? The Holy Spirit exists to glorify Jesus. In the same way that Jesus came to glorify the Father, the Spirit comes to glorify Jesus. So the place, the person, the believer, the church that is Spirit-filled is going to be really excited about Jesus. It's one of the mistakes that we make is, is oftentimes when we talk about being Spirit-filled, we get really focused on the Holy Spirit. And if we get so focused on the Holy Spirit and miss out on Jesus, we're not really focusing on the Holy Spirit because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to talk about Jesus. Put it this way. If, if you encounter a new mom and you start talking to the new mom, what's she going to talk about? She's going to talk about her kid, right? 
Why? Because she's proud of that kid. She's going to bring attention to that kid. She's going to tell you something that this kid did that three billion other kids have also done. But it's so important that her kid did this thing, right? New dads are the same way, by the way, right? We, we glow with that same pride. You just can't get around them without them talking about the kid. Well, you can't get around the Holy Spirit without him talking about Jesus. And so if we're going to be a spirit-filled church, if we're going to live a spirit-filled life, we're going to be hearing the Holy Spirit speak, and that's going to cause us to glorify Jesus. We'll talk about this a whole lot more later on in the series, if it goes the direction I think it's going to go. Uh, let's put that little asterisk on it, right? I plan right now to talk about that a whole lot more later on in the series, but just in case we don't get to that, let's go ahead and put it out here. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He bears witness about Jesus. John 16, next chapter, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Why would Jesus tell us the truth? Why does, it, why does he feel like I need you to know this is the truth? Because what he's saying is going to be hard to believe, right? You tell somebody, hey, I'm, t- I'm telling you the truth. You're telling them something that's difficult for them to believe. He's like, I need you to know this is the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Jesus says you're better off if I'm gone. That's a paradox. Who among us would not want to have Jesus physically in the room right now? Who among us would not want to, to be able to have dinner with Jesus physically today? I know that I would. But Jesus himself says, I got something even better for you. It's to your advantage that I go away because if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So again and again, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as he. Again and again, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper. Again and again, he says, this Holy Spirit is coming. He is coming to help you. John 16, 12, skipping past a section we'll come back to. We'll get the rest of those verses in between, but real quick. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So Jesus is finishing up this conversation. He's getting ready to stop talking to his disciples for a while as he dies. As he raises again, he's going to go to the Father. All this is going to happen. He says, I got a lot of stuff I want to tell you, but I can't tell you now. He's implying, he's saying the Holy Spirit's going to tell you and teach you all this stuff that I can't teach you right now. All these things that I'm incapable of telling you, the Holy Spirit is going to come. He goes on, verse 13. says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will speak on, not on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. One thing you need to understand about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit speaks. You may be here today and feel like, hey, I'm having a hard time hearing God. Well, I want you to know the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. In fact, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. We may have to work on learning to discern that spirit, learning to tune into that spirit, learning to hear what he is saying and know that it's him when he's speaking. But you need to know God is speaking. So here's what you don't need to do. You don't need to go to God and say, God, would you speak to me because he's already speaking. What you need to do is say, God, can you help me understand what you're saying? God, can you help me hear your voice? Because I know you're speaking. I know you sent your spirit to live in me, and I know your spirit speaks. So help me understand when it's him. Help me tune in to his voice. He's going to talk to you. Look to your neighbor and say, he's going to talk to you. He's going to talk. He's going to speak. Now, this word helper is so significant. Um, So let's talk about it in the Greek a little bit. It is a Greek compound word, two Greek words put together, and the Greek words are parakletos. 
Now, it's been anglicized oftentimes as the paraclete. You've maybe heard of the paraclete if you've done any study on the Holy Spirit. But the actual Greek words are para and kletos. Now, para means with or alongside. So Jesus says, I'm sending somebody who's going to be with you, somebody who's going to be alongside you. And, he's, and kletos means to come. So, so the one who's with you is to come. So he's promising in John 14, 15, and 16, one is coming to be with you. One is coming to be alongside you. Nowhere else in scripture is he referred to as the paraclete, because once we get past this passage, we get into the book of Acts, we get into the epistles. He's not the paraclete anymore. He's not the one who is to come. He's the one who's already come. He's already been sent. But in this conversation, Jesus refers to him, the Holy Spirit, as the paraclete, uh, because he is going to come alongside us. Jesus wants to send a spirit, his spirit, to be alongside us, to come with us in whatever we do. So who is the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give three answers, one answer today, two answers next week. The Holy Spirit, number one, he's my helper. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is my helper. Now I'll go ahead and sneak peek next week and tell you what else we're going to answer to this question. Number two, we're going to tell you that the Holy Spirit is my friend. Number three, we're going to tell you the Holy Spirit, he is my God. Okay? So he's my helper. He's my friend, he's my God. We're gonna dig into each of these, but today we're gonna hone in on this specific word that he is the helper. Now that word parakletos, the paraclete, this can be translated a number of ways, and we see it in, in different translations of the Bible. It's translated as counselor, translated as intercessor, translated as advocate in the NIV, uh, in the King James, which probably many of us grew up learning the King James, it's actually my favorite translation of this. It's translated as the comforter. He's my comforter. How many of you guys sleep with a comforter? You got a comforter? Are you grateful for that comforter? We were not a comforter family growing up. We were a bedspread family. I didn't discover comforters until much later, and they changed my life, right? The, the comforter has changed my life. I can say that with all honesty. Um, when, when I was a bachelor, when I had just moved to Mississippi uh, to become youth pastor here in, in 2005, one of my friends from Tulsa came to visit. He wanted to, to hang out and see the youth ministry and encourage me while I was out here. And so he came to visit and he brought a number of things. One thing he brought, he brought his own comforter. So he brought this big comforter, uh, and he stays with my, at my house. I don't remember how long he stayed. Stayed for a few days, however long. He goes back to Tulsa. Well, he, forget, he forgot two things at my house. Uh, he left his Bible, and he left his comforter. Uh, and so I kept thinking, you know, he's going to come visit again, or I'm going to go visit him. And I don't know if you've ever had those friends that, man, you just have good intentions to see them, but it just never happens. I haven't seen Justin Henson since 2005. So if you're watching, Justin, what's up? Right? Six, 16 years. Uh, and so his comforter sat in my closet for a very long time. In fact, we, I moved from my apartment, moved into a house, sat in the closet. The comforter just kind of sat there doing nothing for years and years and years. And I wonder how many Christians the comforter has been there, but he's just kind of tucked away in a closet. He's just kind of useless. He's just kind of taking up space. He's not empowering your life. He's not engaged in your life. There's no evidence of him in your life. You don't have any relationship with him. And my goal, my hope, 
my prayer this series is that you would learn how to take the comforter out of the closet, how to engage with the comforter, how to have a personal relationship with the spirit of God who lives in you. For some of us, this may be a reawakening of some things that, that are further back in our life. Maybe we had a vibrant, impactful, powerful relationship with God's spirit at a different season of life. But for whatever reason, we, we've moved on. That's grown cold. We've ignored it. Maybe for some of us, we don't even know what that looks like or what that could be like because we've never experienced it. Maybe for some of us, hopefully for some of us, we're in that mode right now. Where, man, we are taking advantage of the comforter. In fact, I'll, I'll just give you an update on the comforter. The comforter went on. We, we still have this comforter. It became our camping comforter. Uh, so we went camping a couple of weeks ago with this comforter, and it rained the whole time. And now I can pretty much guarantee you the comforter is not going to be used again for a very long time because uh, camping is no longer part of our life. Uh, so... We don't want your comforter, your Holy Spirit, to be treated like that comforter. By the way, thanks, Justin, for the donation. Uh, so we, the comforter is for use. The comforter is to benefit you. The comforter is to relate to you and impact you and empower you. Jesus has sent his spirit for a very important reason. So, so I want to give you today, very quickly, three ways that the helper helps. Three ways that the helper helps me. Three ways that the helper is engaged in your life, powerful in your life, if you will allow him to be, if you will develop relationship with him, if you will learn to discern his voice. Here's how the helper will help you. The first one is the helper speaks through me. The helper speaks through me. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus says this, he says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how will you defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So he's speaking specifically of persecution, specifically of, of a time when these disciples he's speaking to are going to be charged with, with blasphemy, with a capital crime. They're, most of them are actually going to die at some point in time for this. So don't worry about what you're going to say. When that day comes, the Holy Spirit's going to give you something to say. I hope and I pray most of us in this room have experienced a moment where the Holy Spirit gave us something to say. Sometimes you may not even know it was the Holy Spirit until afterwards. I'll stand up here and, and I'll preach on something and it never ceases to amaze me how somebody will come to me and be like, you were preaching to me the whole time, Pastor. Like, did my wife say something to you? Right? Like, and, and they'll be like so convinced that I was preaching directly to you. Can I just say this lovingly and gently? You're not that important. I'm not writing sermons for you. Right? Like, there's nobody in this room that I'm like, man, they need to hear from God so bad. I'm putting a whole sermon together just for you. I've never done that. Can't imagine I ever will do that unless God specifically moves. Right? It's not how I roll. But the Holy Spirit knows what you need to hear, knows what you're going through, knows what moment you're in, and he can take me, an imperfect, man, flawed individual, and set something on my heart for me to speak on, set a verse, a passage on my heart for me to teach on that's going to speak directly to your situation. I can't do that. I'm not that good. But the Holy Spirit can he speaks through me. This week, I had a lady reach out to me for, for prayer, 
for a situation she was going through in her family. And I don't know this person super well, um, but I promise hey, I pray for them. And this is my habit. This is what I try to do like 98% of the time. I don't always hit this, but it's always my goal. If somebody asks me for prayer, I'm going to pray for them right then. Because at least I know I prayed for them once. Because I don't know about you. I know you're more holy than me and you promise people you're going to pray for them. And you pray for them for like 50 days straight. Sometimes I tell somebody I'll pray for them and I forget. It's being real. And so I always, I'm going to pray for you right now. Hopefully I'm going to pray for you again. Hopefully I'm, I'm going to continue to pray for you. But at least in this moment, I'm going to honor this request. So I took a moment and I prayed for this lady, prayed for her family. And then God put a, a passage on my heart. A verse related to her situation. So I sent the verse, a verse from Isaiah, uh, and said, hey, I just, just want to encourage you with this. Just want to remind you with this. I don't even know if she's ever heard this verse. But I said, I just want to remind you of this truth. And she's like, I can't believe you sent me that verse. I love that verse. That used to be my screensaver. I needed to be reminded of that so badly. I didn't know she had a screensaver verse. I didn't know she ever even used a verse for a screensaver, right? Like, that's not me. There's... Thousands of verses in the Bible, but for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit said, this person needs to be reminded of this one. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He speaks through me. And when I say the Holy Spirit speaks through me, I'm not saying me as a pastor, the Holy Spirit speaks through me. I'm saying me as a believer in Jesus, who the Holy Spirit lives in. I've put this in first person so you can preach this to yourself. The Holy Spirit speaks through you. In fact, would you just say that? Go ahead and put that first point back up there. We're going to say this out loud together. We're going to confess this over ourselves. Say this with me. The helper speaks through me. He speaks through you. He gives you things to say. You know what else the helper does when it comes to speaking? Sometimes he tells us what not to say. You ever had these words come out of your mouth? You, you feel that, that, that tug, hey, I probably shouldn't say it. And you say, I probably shouldn't say this. And then you say it anyway. <laughs> Guilty, right? What was that? That was you ignoring the Holy Spirit. Does it ever go well when you say, hey, I probably shouldn't say this? No. Nothing good has ever happened after the words, I shouldn't say this. It was the Holy Spirit saying, shut up, Right? So the Holy Spirit helps us know what to say. He also helps us know what not to say. So we got to train ourselves when we hear that, when we feel that prick. I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to keep that in because this is somehow going to be damaging to a relationship. If you're in a family, if you're in a marriage, there are moments where there are things you should not say. You've discovered this. Whether you've lived it out, I don't know, but you've discovered it. You know, I probably shouldn't have said that. That did not make my situation better. That did not help my relationship that brought destruction, right? So the helper speaks through us. He helps us know what to say, helps us know what not to say. Number two, the helper speaks through me. The helper also leads me. He leads me. He directs me. I don't know how many times in your life you've ever needed direction, but I know there will be many times where you do. And where you're at a crossroads, do I go this way or that way? How do we handle this situation? How do I respond to this new thing they're doing at work? How am I supposed to process this thing in this relationship, right? There's so many opportunities where we don't know what to do, and those are the greatest moments because it's the chance for the Holy Spirit to step in and lead us. John 16, Jesus says this. He says, when the spirit of truth comes... When the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he won't speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. We've already seen this, but let's just make it explicit. Let's make sure we understand it. The Holy Spirit leads us. What ways do you need to be led? 
today. Maybe you need to be led into a new season, into a new ministry, into a new calling, into a new gifting. The Holy Spirit will lead you into those things. Sometimes we need to be led out of something. We need to be led out of a habit, out of a relationship, out of something we've gotten ourselves into. The Holy Spirit will lead us. And understand this, the Holy Spirit doesn't always lead us to pleasure and comfort One of the first times we see the Holy Spirit lead in the New Testament is Luke chapter 4. It says that the Spirit of God, right after Jesus got baptized, which by the way, we get to do a baptism today after second service. So excited for that. But after Jesus got baptized, it says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and be tempted by the enemy. So just because you're in an uncomfortable situation, just because you're in a situation where the enemy seems to be speaking and moving, that doesn't mean you haven't been led there by the Holy Spirit. You might have, right? Sometimes we lead ourselves into those situations, but sometimes we're right smack in the center of God's will. God's will isn't always going to be comfortable, and it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to feel good, but it's always going to produce something in our lives. And the Holy Spirit's always going to lead us to the very center of God's will if we will allow him to. So the Holy Spirit speaks through me. The Holy Spirit leads me. Not long ago, there was a a situation with my mentor, with my pastor, who's now not serving in ministry because of some mistakes that he made. Very, very difficult thing to watch. Um... And as he walked through this, and we're we're praying for him and believing for him, and I don't don't think God's done with him. I know that he made some mistakes that he's got to deal with and and brought some sin into his life that that he's got to get fixed. I believe in a God of restoration. So we're not disqualifying him or discounting him. Um, But I knew there was a situation where he couldn't be my pastor for a little while. right? He's been my pastor for a very long time, but he needs to be dealing with him. He doesn't need to be carrying me. Um, and so I knew I needed to find somebody else who could be my pastor. In fact, my, my wife, Melody, was a, a very good encouragement for me in this, that, hey, I, I can't just not have a pastor. I need to be under leadership. I need to be under accountability. I need to have somebody who's checking in on me. So we, we talked about it and prayed about it, and we felt, hey, there, this person is probably a good choice. Uh, and so I, I picked up the phone, and I called this person, and it was one of, like, the most awkward conversations in my life. I'm like, I don't really know how to say this, but will you be my pastor? Uh, <laughs> weird thing to ask, right? Um, but he says, would it not be so awkward for you if I told you God already told me I was supposed to do this? You know what an encouragement that was to me? That in the midst of all this going on, in the midst of, uh, of my pastor in need of restoration, of him walking through a very dark and difficult time, God was thinking about me. God laid it on somebody's heart to come alongside me, to, to be able to pour into me. And that may not seem that significant to you, but it was really significant to me. What is that? That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. He led my wife and myself to this specific individual. He led this person in his prayer time, and he lined this thing up, and that to me is massive confirmation God's going to do something really cool from this relationship. There's going to be something really beneficial for me as a follower of Jesus as I sit under this man's leadership because God lined this thing up. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. He leads us. 
He helps us. He gives us words to say. He leads us. Number three, the helper convicts me. The helper convicts me. Now, this sounds dark and gloomy, right? Like conviction sounds like, man, hellfire and brimstone, and you need to get right. And sometimes that's true. But that's not really what Jesus is teaching when he teaches about the Holy Spirit bringing conviction. In the same conversation in John 16, Jesus says this. We skipped this passage earlier. We're going to come down back to it now. It says, when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world. He says the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world, in fact, convict everybody in three ways. He's going to convict the world regarding sin, regarding righteousness, and regarding judgment. Now, here's how we hear this. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to tell you you're a sinner. He's going to tell you you need to get right with God, and he's going to tell you you're about to be judged. Right? That's, that's how we read that. If that's the only verse we read, that's how we would interpret that. And this would be kind of a scary thing. The Holy Spirit is out to get you. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't stop at verse 8. He goes on in verse 9, 10, and 11 to unpack what he just said and give us an explanation of it so we understand. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you concerning sin, verse 9, because they do not believe in me. So why is the Holy Spirit convicting the world of sin? Because we don't believe in Jesus. So he's going to convict us that we're sinners who need a savior. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Because if I don't ever realize I'm a sinner, I'll never run to the savior. I'll never receive salvation if I don't understand I need salvation. So the Holy Spirit comes not to condemn me, but to remind me and open my eyes and help me understand I'm a sinner so I see I need a savior. Many of us, we can go back to our salvation experience, wherever that was, whether that was in a bedroom or a vehicle or a church or a conference or a concert or whatever that happened. You know, people get saved at places beside churches, right? That's a good thing, by the way. That's, that's, that's us being the church, taking Jesus with us and introducing people to Jesus wherever we go. That's the New Testament model. Everybody wasn't getting saved in a service. So wherever you got saved, you can go back to that salvation moment, and many of us, we can remember the conviction. You remember the sense of conviction? I need a savior. Jesus, I need you. By the way, that word convict, it's very, very similar meaning to the word convince. If you have a conviction about something, it means you are convinced of that thing. I got a conviction. I'll, I'll just give you an example in my life. I have a conviction that I don't mess with alcohol. I come from a family of alcoholics. My dad was an alcoholic. I've got brothers who are alcoholics. We've got alcoholism all over my family. I don't touch it. I don't mess with it, I don't sip it, I don't play with it, it's not something I go near. Now, the Bible doesn't teach that drinking alcohol is a sin. So I'm not going to stand up here and tell you if you ever drink alcohol, you're a sinner. I'm telling you if I drink alcohol, I'm a sinner. Because God has given me a conviction that that is not for me. I am convinced alcohol is not something that I'm supposed to partake in, right? So, so that's what a conviction is. It's when you are convinced of something. So the Holy Spirit has convinced us we need a Savior. That's a good thing. Verse 10, moving forward, says, oh, excuse me, I forgot. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says this, more evidence of the Holy Spirit and what he does. It says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if you have ever received the Holy Spirit, if you ever declared Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord of your life, the only way that ever happened was the Holy Spirit empowered you to do that. He enabled you to see Jesus as Lord. Verse 10, back to John 16, he says, he's going to convict you concerning righteousness 
because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Now, we get confused when it comes to this word righteousness. What does righteousness mean? Righteousness does not mean right living, although right living is important, and then the Holy Spirit will convict you in regards to right living. But righteousness is right standing with God. So the Holy Spirit is going to convict us once we've seen Jesus as Savior and declared him as Lord of our life and received him. Now he's going to convince you that you're right with God. You're in right standing with God. You're going to see that you've now come into alignment with the Lord of the world, with the the, the ruler of the universe, and that you are in right standing with him. So he's going to convict you in regards to righteousness. That's a good thing. Because a lot of times as believers, we don't recognize that we're right with God. Many times as believers, we, we, we feel isolated, we feel unworthy, we feel ashamed, we feel guilty. So the Holy Spirit said to remind us, no, because of Jesus, you are in right standing with God. Verse 11, he's going to convict you concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Who's the ruler of this world? It's Satan. Some of you are like, Jesus, Satan, I'm not sure, right? Like, trick question. This is not the Sunday school. The answer is Jesus, uh, right? In this case, the ruler of this world, what Jesus is teaching, and there's other places in Scripture. If I had time, I could show you. I'll just throw out the references in case you want to fact check me. Um, but actually, I thought I'd put them down, but I didn't. But it's in John 14, earlier in the conversation, he references the king of this world, the, the ruler of this world. It's clearly Satan. He's referring to Satan because obviously Jesus is not judged. Right? So Satan is judged. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm about to die, and I'm about to go and defeat the enemy, and he is going to lose his authority and his power. And when you give your life to me, and I become Lord of your life, and you get in right standing with God, that authority of the enemy, that power that he had, that stronghold he had on you is no longer going to exist because he's already been judged. He's already been defeated. His authority is absolved. So Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to convict you in regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's going to convince you you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Once you receive that salvation, he's going to convince you that you're now in right standing with God, that because of Jesus, because of his blood, his sacrifice, when God looks at you, he sees that. He doesn't see your sin. You're in right standing with him, and he's going to convince you that the enemy no longer has power and authority in your life. That's an encouraging statement. That's a great thing that Jesus has done for us. We've so often misunderstood what the conviction of the Holy Spirit means. Now, the Holy Spirit does convict us of sin. He does put his finger on that stuff in our life. He says, hey, this doesn't need to be here. In fact, Romans chapter 2 says this. It says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So I don't know who here today needs to experience the kindness of the Holy Spirit, because you got some stuff in you that doesn't look like Jesus. But when you start to hear that voice that says, you don't need to do this, you don't need to go there, you don't need to partake in this anymore, you need to repent, you need to take this to the cross, you need to give this to God, that's the voice of helper. That's the Holy Spirit. He's helping you get in right standing again with God. He convicts us, he leads us, he speaks through us. Now the Holy Spirit does a whole lot more than those three things. But that's some ways that he helps us. I want to empower you with those as we begin this series, as we build a foundation. Next week, we're going to see how the Holy Spirit is our friend, how the Holy Spirit is our God. We're going to get to dig into each of those points, and then we've got lots more we get to dig into as we go. We're going to talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get into a whole lot of stuff that the Holy Spirit does in our life. 
But this week, know this. He's a helper. And he wants relationship with you. Remember, he's not it. He's he. Because he wants a personal relationship with you. You can have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can't have a personal relationship with the life force, with an essence. But you can have a personal relationship with God, who is the Holy Spirit.